Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We're continuing our series called Blessed Are the Weird. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Hey, Brian, uh, Cadella got us started last week in our new series called Blessed Are the Weird. Uh, It's a a series on uh, the Beatitudes, and uh, Brian took exception uh, to the graphic design of our series. Uh, if you were here last week, you know that uh, he inserted my picture on this, uh, on this uh, slide here to help us get a little more understanding of what this, this series is about. Um, and so I'm gonna have to clean up behind him a little bit as we get started this morning. Uh, I'm joking about that. But, but he, he did, if you remember, last week he shared his story about uh, his sermon about uh, this, this youth event that he went on and how it was his first youth event here at Sam Alliance. He, uh, you know, they were going to a family fun center for a lot of fun, and the kids were paired up, and, and they, went, they were given 10 bucks. They went to a thrift store, and they had to buy something the other person was going to wear. And the guy he went with, Sean, uh, bought some leopard print pants uh, uh, or tights or something like that for, for Brian to wear. And he shared with us that he searched the computer to try and find that picture, but he couldn't find it. I have good news for you today. <laughs> We searched, we pulled everything we could, and we found the picture. Here it is. It's on the screen. Um, this, this, is, this is such a great picture, Brian. We'll probably have to put in a frame, put it in a hallway or something like that. Um, so <laughs> just, a little, just a little fun on the preaching team. And he preaches in a couple weeks, and I'm sure there'll be a salvo fired back my way. But we do love each other. Um, and this is one of the ways we show our love. I know, it's twisted. But uh, he did he get us on a great start on this series of Blessed Are the Weird. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a look at the Beatitudes as it's seen in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 5. Now, I have a friend named Paul. Paul's a doctor. And years ago, uh, Paul was bragging about what he accomplished on New Year's Eve. This is in the early 90s. This is before Google or Skype or FaceTime or technology and, and the way we enjoy it today. Uh, Paul is a doctor on New Year's Eve. Um, Paul calls his brother, who's a veterinarian, and, um, and Paul, with, with, with the phone sort of tucked between his ear and his shoulder, he, his brother, who's living on the East Coast, is talking him through a surgery that, that Paul is performing on his kitchen floor with his cat. Uh, he, he is, he's, he's neutering his cat on the kitchen floor on New Year's Eve. Now remember, this, this is early 90s, this is before Google, Skype, and apparently common sense uh, that he's doing this. And you know, shortly thereafter, he's bragging about this, and he's saying that, you know, look, I, I did this, and, um, and like we were all supposed to be impressed. Uh, and really, Paul was, he was way before his time, because in our culture today, we really admire people who can do it on their own. And there's this DIY culture, this do-it-yourself culture, and we esteem those who accomplish things, who are creatives, uh, who, uh, who are industrious, and can do it on their own. You know, now there's a sense of a, a confidence that rises in our hearts when we don't have to go to the professional. We can do this on our own. Um, and so here's just a couple of pictures of some projects people did on their own. Here's a shower head uh, with, a, with a water bottle, pretty ingenious. Here's a hot tub. Um, someone did. Apparently, you can sit in your swimming pool, roast marshmallows. This probably is not safe. Uh, don't try it. If your kids have left the house and you're wondering what to do with those baby dolls uh, that you have, 
You can make a coat rack or someplace to hang a scarf or... That's really creepy. Let's go to the next picture. Um, here's how to heat your pizza. Um, pretty resourceful. Let's, let's admit it. Um, and uh, then we got this one here. This is what you do with your old Converse. And the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, definitely yes. Uh, we, we, I mean, there's Pinterest and Instructables and there's you know, YouTube videos that tell you how to do things on your own. We, we admire people who can do it on their own, who can do it themselves. And um, in fact, you know, remember Hope Depot used to have that, that marketing slogan, you can do it, we can help. You've got what it takes. In fact, some phrases uh, that really capture uh, this is, if you don't believe in yourself, no one will. It's just common sayings you, you might hear. Uh, encourage yourself, believe in yourself, and love yourself. Never doubt who you are. Here's a quote uh, taken from a book. A bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because her trust is not on the branch but on its wings. Always believe in yourself. And don't doubt yourself because that's what the haters are for. We, we, esteem, we esteem people who can do it on their own. We live in a DIY culture. In fact, this weekend, a, a movie was released about a successful CEO. It's actually the second movie that's come out about Steve Jobs in the last couple of years. Um, now, now, why two movies about a CEO who's passed away? Well, we admire him because he took a fledgling computer company, uh, one that he started and then he got booted out of, then he got invited back in. He took this fledgling computer company and he turned it around into one of the most successful tech companies uh, in the world. And, uh, and Jobs is looked at, he, if there's a pecking order in society, he is near the top. He's at the top of the pecking order. Uh, it's not because he was a nice man, he wasn't. It's because he was successful. He did it on his own. He sort of pulled himself up as bootstraps and, and got it done. This happens not only in business, but also happens in the arts. If you're a successful actor, you're a celebrity, um, and you get notoriety, in fact, sometimes Congress will even, even invite celebrities or actors to come give their opinion on global issues. Because the, you know this is the pecking order. This, you're successful, you've done it, you've succeeded, you have achieved, we admire you. Uh, which is kind of hilarious when you think about it, someone's job is to pretend, and we admire that, and then we let them into Congress and have them speak their opinion. It doesn't happen just in the arts, uh, it doesn't just happen in business, it happens in sports. If you're an athlete and you can throw a ball fast, we admire you. We exalt you. We want to know your opinion on things. And, uh, and, and what happens is, is, you know, if you're a factory worker making widgets on the assembly line, um, you're, you're, you're probably not going to have a book written about you or a movie made about you. That's, it's probably not going to be happening because in our DIY culture, in our do-it-yourself culture, we admire independent thinkers. We admire people who can do it on their own. And those people are sort of on the inside, and we're all on the outside wondering how to get in on the inside. Those are the ones who are at the top of society, the pecking order in society. And, and, and people are clamoring to how they can climb the pecking order. Now, if you can get your head around that kind of thinking 
and then take it and travel back in time to Jesus' day and apply it to the religious ideology of the day, the religious thinking of the day, you'll understand better what the Beatitudes, the context of Beatitudes is set in. The Pharisees were teaching this, this sort of this religious idea that there were people on the inside and there were people on the outside. There were people at the top of the pecking order. There were people at the bottom of the pecking order. And, and this is the, the common understanding of those who were in God's favor or in God's kingdom in Jesus' day as he steps into ministry. I'm just going to encapsulate these with five statements on the screen here. I've taken these from a book called The, the Good and Beautiful Life written by James Bryant Smith. I've sort of just condensed what he said to fit it on the screen. But this is the thinking in Jesus' day. Jews are in and everyone else is out. If you are a Jew, you're good with God. If you're from some other nation, you're not. Second is, men are first class citizens in the kingdom and everyone else is second class. So if you're male, good for you. If you're, if you're female, sorry. Third one is keep the law and you're in. If you keep the rules, if you obey the law, you're, you're, you're favored by God. Fourth is only the physically whole and healthy are in the kingdom. The diseased and disabled are under God's judgment. Lastly, wealth is a sign from God that you are favored. The poor are not on the kingdom guest list. Friends, this was the common understanding in Jesus' day of who was in with God and who was on the outside. This is who was at the top of the pecking order, spiritually speaking, and those who were on the bottom. If you were a healthy, wealthy Jewish male who kept the rules, you were good with God. If you weren't, you're on the outside. And this was understood very clearly. Now, imagine the scene for a moment. Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee. He's been performing miracles in Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin. And crowds are gathering around him. And now he's on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples and the crowds are pressing in on him. And he is about to preach a sermon. He's about to preach a message, give a talk that will completely reshape, reform, remodel the understanding of who the kingdom of God is for. And they're all waiting for Jesus to talk. And what he's about to say is going to turn upside down the teaching that people understood in their day. So Jesus begins his sermon. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom. And in that moment, a crowd of people are hearing something completely different 
absolutely weird from what they're, from they're used, to, used to hearing, something completely upside down. They are, they are hearing that the kingdom of God is for them as well. That, that, friends, this is why crowds pressed in around Jesus. This is why that they wanted to be near him because what the Beatitudes are, are they are an invitation to the kingdom. And what Jesus is saying is everyone is invited. This is kind of good news. This is really good news. The the people are, they're hearing. This is why prostitutes were welcome with Jesus. This is why a prostitute would cry and her tears falling on Jesus' feet. She'd wash Jesus' feet with her tears because she felt invited This is why Jesus would invite a tax collector to be one of his disciples. This is why Jesus would put his hands on a diseased man, a man afflicted with leprosy. In that day, a sign of God's judgment. But he would put his hands on this man before he was even healed and say, I am willing to heal. And he does heal him. The Beatitudes, here's one thing you don't want to do with the Beatitudes. You don't want to take the Beatitudes and create a list and put it on your refrigerator and say, here's what I need to do in order to make God happy with me. That, that's a legalistic approach to relationship with God. It's, these are not a list of things that I need to get better at. This is an invitation. This is who gets the kingdom. And it's really good news. And not only is it an invitation, it's also a description of a converted person. This is what a saved, a redeemed person looks like. Poor in spirit. They mourn. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're, they're, they want to be righteous. And they're hungry for that. And, and they've been hearing that. Yeah, you're not in because you aren't righteous. And Jesus turns it on his head and says, no, you know, if you're hungry for it, you're in. This is an invitation and this is a description of what a converted life looks like. And it's very, very good news. It just gives you a little context, a little understanding of why the crowds pressed in. Yes, Jesus was doing miracles, but more than that, he was saying, I accept you and the kingdom is yours. Now let's just hone in on this first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Let's break that down uh, quickly here because it's, it's fairly simple. Blessed, uh, if you were here last week, Brian talked about this. Blessed means that you're in a position of favor, that God has turned his face toward you and he sees you and, and you are a person that is embraced by him. You, you, he, his delight is in you. You're a person in which he favors. That's blessed, Poor in spirit, let's break this down. To be poor is, uh, well, let me just help you understand this with a story from uh, our family's life. Um, when Trina and I, when our kids were a lot younger, uh, we were living up in Washington, and our kids loved to, to play sports, and they were, we enrolled them in community ed programs, and they played baseball and basketball and soccer. And uh, if, if your kids have done that, or maybe you've done that, um, you know that probably week, week three, week four um, is picture packet day. 
Uh, you got your picture packets, and they get all these sort of packets, you know, these, uh, uh, you can get a team picture, you can get a team picture, and if it's baseball, you can get like your own baseball card that's got your, you know, you get the baseball bat on your shoulder, it's got all the stats from like two weeks on the back, um, and, or maybe, maybe you want grandma and grandpa to, to have a coffee mug with your picture on it, and you can have that done as well. There's a bunch of different options on these picture packets, and it all costs money. Now, we got four kids and they're doing these sports, and they're all doing picture packet day, and this, you know, it's all the same week typically. And, and eat the, the, the smallest packet is 12 bucks. You do the math, four times 12, 48 bucks. We did not have 48 bucks to do the picture packets. So we did a little workaround. Um, I coached uh, as many of my kids' teams as possible because the coach got a free team picture. And, uh, and then, as it was picture day, what we would do is we'd take our kids out in the front yard, they'd have their uniform on, they'd have their soccer ball or their basketball or their baseball bat, and we would take our camera and we would take a picture of them in our front yard. And then we developed the film like six years later and put it with the, the team picture. That's kind of how it worked. Um, now, why, why do we do all that? Because we lack the resources to do the whole picture packet thing. That, that's, that's what it means to be poor. It means to lack resources. And it isn't just finances. Um, it, but, you know, just for the sake of illustration, it's just to lack resources. So, blessed, God's face turns towards the people. He favors people who lack resources. Lack what kind of resources? Spiritual resources. What Jesus is saying is God favors those who lack resources spiritually. Now Luke, he also gives this an account of the Beatitudes. Luke chapter six, he, he actually says, blessed are the poor. And then a little bit later, he, say, he turns it on his head and he says, woe to you who are rich. Meaning, blessed, you're in a position of favor, those who are poor. And then Luke actually adds, he says, and God says, woe to you. God turns his face from those who are rich and does this have to do with like what your account balances in your bank? No, no, no. And he's getting at here. What he's saying is blessed is the person who understands that they need God. And woe to the person who thinks they can do it on their own. You see this reflected a little bit later on in the New Testament. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, a letter is written to a church in Laodicea. And what Jesus says to that church is that you think you are wealthy and rich. You think you have everything that I need, but you are naked, blind, and poor. Come to me and buy gold refined with fire. Their problem, it wasn't dollars and cents. Their problem was that they began a relationship with Christ and they come to this place where they felt like they didn't need him anymore. And so Luke includes woe to those who don't need God, who think they don't need God, but blessed Blessed is the one who lacks the spiritual, spiritual reason. Blessed is the person that understands that they need God. They understand that they are spiritually impoverished. Let me just give you a few other phrases that capture that thought. Um, poverty of spirit. It's a sense of powerlessness in ourselves. It's a sense of spiritual bankruptcy and helplessness before God. It's a sense of moral uncleanness before God and a sense of personal unworthiness. Before God, That's sort of some phrases that capture the heart of what it means to be poor in spirit. 
I've given a couple shots at, at defining up here on the screen. Uh, blessed is the person who knows and admits they don't have what it takes. That's the poor in spirit. Another shot at this. Blessed is the one who can't and doesn't believe in himself or herself. I, I love how Dallas Willard puts it. Blessed are the spiritual zeros. You've got to get this. Because when you feel like a spiritual zero, you feel like you're on the outside looking in. And what Jesus is saying is any person who admits that, that they have spiritual need and admits that to him, the kingdom is yours. This is kind of good news, right? This is really good news, which means I don't have to perform. The performance is complete. It was done at the cross. The, Jesus did all the work. This is why he said it is finished. Yes, his mission was completed, but all our attempts to bridge the gap from who we are and who God is has been done on the cross. And so now any person who simply admits the need, any person who simply says, I don't have what it takes, the kingdom is yours. And by the way, this is not a new concept. It's not a new idea. You see it through the scriptures. Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah is caught up into the throne room and he says, it's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah, when he sees the king, he suddenly has an awareness of his own sin. He sees the gap between who he is and who God is, and he's, his response, his conclusion is, I'm doomed. Or there's a story in the New Testament where Peter sees a miracle that Jesus does on the boat. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 8 says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Peter has this, this moment where he understands that, that Jesus, he's, he's completely on a, he's top rung. He's, he's way up here. And Peter suddenly feels on the outside looking in. He says, Jesus, depart from me. I am a sinner. I know you're not. And I, I don't, I'm not even worthy to be with you. And what Jesus says right then and there is, paraphrase, you're the kind of person I'm looking for. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You, you may not know the name William Carey. William Carey is the father of modern day missions. Carey was a missionary to India. And he really, he blazed a trail of global mission work. People followed his lead, followed his example. He, he wrote a, a book about why the gospel needs to be taken uh, to the nations. Uh, Carey... Uh, told some of his friends uh, that he was writing a note. He, he, he penciled the paper, a note of what he wanted etched on his tombstone after he died. Um, you know, he actually put his, his birthday there. He didn't know what day he was gonna die, so that's not there. But he's, he, he wants this, these phrases etched on his tombstone. Kerry ends up dying. His friends take the note out of his coat uh, pocket where he kept that piece of paper. And this is what is etched on Kerry's tombstone. Born August 17th, 1761. Died June 9th, 1834. A wretched, poor, and helpless worm. On thy kind arms I fall. 
carry a pioneer missionary who achieved, who we look to and admire, understood who he was. I'm a wretched, poor, and helpless worm. Yet he knew the gospel. He knew that it wasn't his works. He knew it wasn't his, his attempts. He did not embrace a DIY culture, do-it-yourself culture. He understood where he was. He understood he was wretched, poor, and a, and a helpless worm. And he understood the gospel. And he says, on thy kind arms I fall, Jesus. I just fall in your arms. And he, and he got it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you know, some of you may, may look at this and go, man, Steve, wretched, poor, and helpless worm, and is that really healthy thinking? I mean, is that what we're supposed to think about ourselves, or wretched and poor and as helpless worms? And, um, you know, it kind of, it actually kind of grates with a bit of our culture that, you know, we're all about self-esteem, self-confidence. Everybody gets a trophy because we don't have feelings hurt. Um, you know, we, 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 we think... We kind of think a lot of ourselves, and that just doesn't seem healthy, wretched, poor, and and helpless worm. Do you know what the most successful self-help ministry is out there right now? It's been around for a long time. AA. (laughs) Shout out to AA. Do you know what their first beatitude is? I am powerless over my problems. Or what we say around here is, I can't, God can, I think I'll let him. I can't, God can, I'll think I'll let him. That's the beginning point. I want you to listen to a few of the words from, uh, from the big book uh, of AA as it relates to overcoming alcoholism. Um, it says, who cares to admit complete defeat. Practically no one, of course. Every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. It is truly awful to admit that glass in hand, we have worked our minds to such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us. We perceive that only through utter defeat are we able to take our first steps towards liberation and strength. Now listen to this next sentence. This is really important. Our admissions of personal powerlessness finally turn out to be firm bedrock upon which purposeful lives may be built. The principle that we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat is the main taproot from which our whole society has sprung and flowered. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And I'll just tell you this, Jesus didn't get his ideas from AA. AA got their ideas from Jesus. And it has transformed, has transformed lives for people who have simply said, I can't, God can, I think I'll let him. You know, every once in a while you'll hear somebody say, you know, you know religion, uh, Christianity is just a crutch. It's a crutch for weak-minded people. I mean, Karl Marx and you know, his manifesto says, religion is the opiate of the masses. 
Uh, there's a guy years ago, uh, you know, a, a professional wrestler turned politician, um, governor of Minnesota, who said, religion is a sham, Christianity is a crutch. I mean, there's this idea that, you know, well, that's just for weak people. Christianity is a crutch. So how are you supposed to respond to that? You go, yeah, it is. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's a crutch. It's an understanding that I'm broken and I need help. I mean, imagine this. You know, imagine someone physically has broken legs and they're dragging themselves down a sidewalk. Are you going to walk up to them and go, way to go. You're so smart. You're so intelligent. Keep going. Hang in there. You can do it. No, you're not going to say that to them. You're going to say, why aren't you going to the hospital? You need help. You, your leg needs to be cast. You need crutches or maybe even a wheelchair. We, don't, we would not admire that. We question the person's sanity. Yet when it comes to the spiritual life, suddenly a reliance, a dependence on someone is viewed as weakness. Now, it's just an obvious understanding of our state before a holy God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who, do, who, who, who know that they don't have what it takes, who admit that they don't have what it takes. Blessed are the spiritual zeros. Because the moment you admit that, kingdom is yours. Now, let's, let's just land this plane in you know, Salem. It's 2015. What, so what, what difference does this make in the here and now? Let me answer that question by um, putting a picture of my granddaughter on the screen. This is Finley. She'll be five years old in January. And uh, she's in preschool, and she's a smart little cookie, and she's probably going to be probably going to be president one day. Just a humble grandfather statement there. Uh, Finn is over our house a lot, and uh, not long ago, uh, we we're we we're hanging out and playing, and we we're going to go head outside, and uh, she needed to put her shoes on, and so uh, we we sat on the bench, and we got her shoes out of the bench, and you know got her shoes, and I was trying to help Finn put her shoes on, and she said to me. Papa, I can do it. Um, so I stepped back and let her do it because in the past, I've just sort of ignored that and tried to do it anyways, and that has not gone well. So I just sort of stepped back and let her do it. So she's trying to put her shoes on, and you know, you can imagine the scene. She's got shoes going on the wrong feet. She can't get her feet in there, and you know, toes are kind of hanging out. And you know, some time goes by, and, and she's starting to get frustrated. Frustration level is rising. Stress level is rising. And, um, you know, eventually she comes to that moment where her shoulders heave a bit and she lets out a sigh. It's like, Papa, can you do it? And I step in and, yeah, I can, I can do it. I can help. And I put her shoes on her and we're done like in 10 seconds and we're out in the front lawn playing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How does that relate to today? You see, many of us started our journey with Christ saying, I need you to Jesus. I know I don't have what it takes. But here's what's happened. You began acknowledging a need, and then what happened is the friendship drifted to a place where now you're doing life without him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says this. 
So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Some of us in the room, we've received Christ Jesus as Lord. We, we have a moment we remember. Maybe you nailed a ribbon on the cross. Um, you have that moment. But what happened is you slipped into this default mode of embracing the DIY culture and you've applied it to your spiritual self. And now you're just doing it apart from, you're not living in him, rooted. It continues to say rooted and established. And what began as a, I need help, I don't have what it takes, is now developed into, I can do this. I got this. And it's impaired your spiritual relationship. Now, the team is gonna come join me out here as we, as we continue worshiping this morning. I just, I, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that we, what we need to do is go to a place of confession and say to Jesus, and say to him and confess that this is sin, this is wrong. And, and the way that I want to invite you to do that this morning is as we worship, I'm going to invite you to come right up front here and kneel and have a moment with Jesus. And what you're going to say to him, you, you use your words. And by the way, when you come up here, you can come up for 10 seconds, you can stay here for 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that you need to come back to Jesus and say, Papa, can you help me? Or Heavenly Dad, I need you. I need to confess that you've been doing this on your own. And look, some of you are already, you know, why am I calling you? Why are you even calling you up front here? Because you need a moment. You need a moment where you can demonstrate poverty of spirit. And you know who you are because you're already arguing with yourself. So I just, as we worship, you already started with Christ. But you fall into the mode of relying on your old strength, on your own strength, and you need this moment. And, and this, another verse I want to show you is John three sixteen, and this the, this verse is for those of you who have never you've never initiated or never begun that relationship with God through Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here's the key: whoever believes in Him, you have been believing in yourself. You've been believing perhaps in your own good works. You have denied the fact that you are impoverished spiritually. And today, perhaps, you need to come in poverty and spirit and come to the cross, take a white ribbon, write your name on it, and pound it in the cross as a way of saying, this is my first time in saying, I, God, I need you. And it is the bedrock from which your spiritual relationship will flower and grow. And some of you in the room, you've never done that, and I'm telling you, you need to do this. You know what will keep you from doing this? Pride. What will keep you from doing it is saying, I don't need help. Both those opportunities are available to you. It's just, it's just like my granddaughter saying, Papa, can you help? And he's right there. He's right there to help. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. 
If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.